0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team. On WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the Internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue.
2: Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in studio by Brian O'Connell from New England Soccer News. If you listened to the show last week, we weren't very optimistic about the Revs' chances in this playoff series, but they showed it, They put in a good performance on Thursday night, coming away with a 0-0 draw. Had a couple of chances where they maybe could have done better and gotten a goal if they were a little bit lucky, but really, it was the best the Revs have performed in, it seemed like, two months almost. Uh, after that Chivas game that they won 4-0, they'd really been playing bad. 6 game, winless the streak. That, that of course continued with the draw, but this really was the best revs performance in a long time, and it was good to see, especially with guys like Taylor Twelman, Steve Rawson, Adam Crisman, Cono Smith, Gabriel <laughs> Badia all missing. The revs really were the better team, it seemed like to me for much of this match.
3: Yeah, I agree, and I and you touched upon you know Tolman being out, and I, I guess that was kind of the big news going into that game. Is that you know you have Twelman, healthy, obviously healthy and available, and obviously playing the, the full ninety against uh, Kansas City the week before. And then to hear that, you just kind of, you know, the the collective heart of Revolution Nation must just just must have sank. So, you know, like you said, I mean, just to see them play with all those players missing, it was is very encouraging. You know, to see uh, uh, Kenny Minzali and Kelly Dubank, you know, look pretty look pretty well. You know, given given the circumstances. Um, you know, they had, uh, obviously they had, uh, Niasi on the wing, they had Niasi on the wing, and it just, they, they looked pretty good. Um, obviously it just looked like that the finishing pass was just, just wasn't there for whatever reason, but, um, if you had asked, if you had asked me going into that game if I thought the score was going to be 0-0, I would have disagreed with you strongly.
2: Yeah, especially with the, the way the defense had been playing. That's really been shaky for mm-hmm. the Revs lately, and now they have to switch it up even more with Badia out and brought, put Jay Heaps into the middle and put Chris Tierney on the left. Um, they played pretty well with defense, really. They they limited Chicago's chances uh, a lot in that game. Chicago did seem content to, to sit back and play for the draw, though, and the counterattack, but really, the Revs' defense did, did play really well, and the offense had them pinned back for a lot of that match, and it was really good to see. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether they can carry that over till next Thursday and whether or not Nickel changes up the lineup. I think that would be a mistake if he was to change up the lineup. Of course, Badia will be available. Connor mm-hmm. Smith still won't be, but I, I think that would be probably the biggest mistake Uh, Steve Nichols would make because they were not looking good with Badia in the lineup and now that the defense is working good, they should stick with that, in, in my opinion anyways. Uh, but it, really, they, that was a good performance, and I think it's something that they can build upon going into Chicago. Won't be easy, but again, Chicago is the second worst home team in this playoffs, mm. second only to the Revs uh, <laughs> of the teams that made the playoffs. So I think the Revs do have a shot going in there, and it should be a very interesting game.
3: Yeah, it definitely will be interesting. Um, you know, I know we both heard uh, 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 Chicago head coach Janice, Dennis Stenshammlet saying that he was very content with the tie. Uh, you know, going back home with the, with things even, but um, but it was very encouraging to see that the the, uh, the backs do well, especially Tierney on the left um it was just it was it was it was a very good performance by by the backs it was just um you know it was it was a patchwork patchwork lineup much like we saw earlier this season where uh you know you were out twelve and you were without ralston you were without a lot of guys and and for whatever reason they just seemed there just seems to be that extra motivation there when when key guys are out it just seems like this team kind of like rallies around itself and just you know puts out a puts out a very very good performance so um, it will be. It will be interesting to see whether or not they changed up the lineup going into uh, Chicago. I I happen to agree with you, Sean. I think they should keep it the way it is, the way it was on uh, on Thursday night. Um, if you know, like the old saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. I mean, they, I know they didn't get any goals from it, but they looked they looked the best they've seen, like you had said, since Shiva, uh, when they went four four nothing over Shiva. So, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I if we see a Badia... Um, hopefully it 's not in a starting role, not nothing against him, but you, like, like you had said they they 've looked better without him uh, you know in the back so um, i you know, it, like I said, if, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, uh, you know, it'll, it just makes for that much more of an interesting match come Thursday.
2: Yeah, And, again, I don't think it's a knock on Badia saying no. that, not at all, because I think he's a good player. Mm. I just think that he really needs a, a preseason with this team. He, he doesn't speak a lot of English still at this point, mm. and that obviously is a factor when you're coming into the team having not played a preseason with them. The, the chemistry really wasn't there with Michael Parkers. So it didn't, didn't, never looked very comfortable the two of them playing together the center of the, the defense. I think with the preseason behind them, they would look very good. Or if Parkhurst leaves, I think Vadia could slot into uh, the mm. center of a 3 man back line. I think that's you know pro- probably a good possibility. But I understand why Nickel was trying to get him into the system and adjusted, but it didn't work out in time for the playoffs to me. didn't seem like it was working out, and I, I think that would be a big mistake for them to go up and change that. But we do have some comments from Steve Neville from last night's match. We actually have comments from Nichol, Matt Reese, Strawberry Joseph, and Jay Heaps that we're going to get to, as well as Dennis Hamlet and some of those comments you mentioned earlier. Uh, but first, we have Steve Nichol's comments on Thursday night's performance.
1: You happy with the tie, or
4: do you feel like you deserve to win? I think we deserve to win. It was a rough, rough tough game. Plenty of commitment. Um, probably should have been a couple of penalties for us. Uh, on Sani, And, you know, Samari's tried to hit the ball clear and headed it straight onto his... Uh, his arm, which you know, I'm I'm probably 50 yards away. Strange how I can see it, nobody else does it.
1: But you took the play to them for the most part.
4: Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, We finished the season over overthinking when we were playing, basically, and we decided to get rid of that and just go out and play. Be committed when you get the chance to pass the ball. Pass the ball when you have to be strong, be strong. And we did that tonight.
5: talked a lot about in the run-up about Chicago's pace and how they exploited you in the first three games this season. Didn't seem
4: like you guys really gave them a chance to get run. No, we defended well. You know, they're dangerous standing around the box. You know, they're, they're, they've got some gale. Um, you know, with Blanco and, and, and Mapp's been around long enough now, he's, uh, he's, he's tough around the edge of the box. Uh, you know, Rolf Sharp. So they've, they've got some guile around the box. I think that's probably the one thing that we were missing tonight it was just a wee bit of guile in the final third.
5: Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of first-time players um, in terms of the playoffs starting tonight, um, like Chris and, and Kelly and Sonny. I mean, uh, can you just talk about overall about uh, their play and, and how you felt some of the young guys did filling in for you?
4: They look part of the team. That's, that's just the, the, the biggest comment I can, I can give them. You know, we, we played as a team tonight. All those guys that have never played in the playoffs, Put a great performance. Um, gave everything they had, uh, but for a but for a bit of luck and a wee bit more gale, we, we we maybe could have won the game. Steve, how
1: did How did Tierney hold up for
4: you tonight? Great, great. Put some good balls forward. You know he never got exposed defensively. Uh, did absolutely everything and more that he was asked.
1: Do you feel he was
4: targeted? Not particularly. No, no. I think. I think more times than not we had them on the back foot than, than the other way around. They're always going to break. They're, they're, they're real dangerous on the break. You know, when we've got corners, free kicks around the edge, we have to be very careful because they've got guys that break. So, no, I think, I think the back four, every one of them did a great job and really, really gave anything up.
5: You guys normally have had home and field advantage in the past. Can you just talk about now going to Chicago and, and being in a situation?
4: Um, Same commitment. You know, we're going to have to go there and be strong. Uh, and be committed
2: again that was Revolution Head Coach Steve Nichol on Thursday a nice result obviously happy with the Revs improved performance but it is going to be tough for them going going away now to get that victory in Chicago
3: yeah definitely it's you'd rather get that uh, victory obviously in New England um you know and for a while throughout that that match it looked like they were going to get it there were a few chances that were that were created that you know it looked like that they were going to go up one nothing, but um but you know they they have to be encouraged with what the performance that with, that they put out there and that was uh, it was a very impressive performance by a bunch of guys like Nickel had said that just really don't have any MLS postseason uh, you know experience so um, yeah, I I know we were encouraged by what we saw uh, you know to see them play that way um, and I think uh, Nickel pretty much echoed those those sentiments by saying you know it's it's it, it was impressive to see the guys who don't have that experience play step up and play well the only thing that, they, that was missing was the goal so.
2: Yeah, that is a big question. Where are those goals going to come from? Because uh, so many goals were scored by those guys that are out. Chrisman, I believe, had six goals in the season. Twama had eight. Mm. Rawlson had eight. Um, That's more than half of the team's goals in those three players right there. And Connell Smith, I think, had a couple as well. I think you're almost up to 60% of the team's goals have been scored by the guys that are out there, uh, that are out and unavailable. So that's going to be a difficult thing for them to do. I can't remember the last time that Kelly Dubé scored. Kenny Mansali scored. Uh, I think a month and a half ago or so, but uh, between that, I think neither of them had scored for three or four months, I believe, mm-hmm. so it's going to be difficult. So One one of them has to get lucky and get back on form, but the, it really seemed to me the most dangerous the team was looking was on free kicks and set pieces there, and that will be key for the Revs going into Chicago. I think they certainly have guys that can score on set pieces. We've seen Lorenowitz do it in the past. Castor's looked dangerous. He still hasn't yeah. scored on one, I don't believe, but he has looked dangerous on those um, for the most part, and Getting in good crosses is important too, and we haven't seen a lot of that from the wings and the run of play, and that's that's a worrying sign for the Revs because they they thrive on that, or at least when Twelman's and they thrive on that, and they were still trying to play that way. Maybe it would have been better if they kept the ball on the ground because I think Kelly Dube and Kenny Mansali aren't as good in the air as Twelman is on those type of plays.
3: Yeah, I totally agree, and I think that's something that we actually commented on. Sean was that you know you just saw that some, something's missing when you know those crosses just aren't aren't meeting any of the strikers heads, and you know I, I think. Taylor Twelman is one of the best strikers as, as like not just in the league but in the air he's one of the best and um, and you know it's 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 tough to see because you know that's missing and uh, like you had said you know Dubay and I Manselli like just aren't as good as Twel- Twelman and it's it's not a knock on them it's just that Twelman is, is a premier striker in this league and uh, that's one of the reasons why he is is because he's so good in the air so you know that's, that's something that they are going to you know have to kind of adjust on the attack is that instead of the crosses you know sending in crosses and hoping that you know somebody gets ahead on it um, you know their their best chances may be on those set pieces and just running right into the box instead of just you know playing down the wings and just hoping that a cross gets gets to uh, gets to one of the strikers. So, um, you know it, they may have to tailor things a little bit, but you know it, from what we saw on on Thursday night, it looked it looked like you know there's they looked much improved over the past month.
2: Yeah, that's also an issue with Chicago's defense too. They're a pretty physical defense mm. there, and that makes it harder to win the balls in the air because that's a pretty good defense um, at doing that. So I don't think the long balls over the top and the crosses. Uh, the quality of them hasn't been that good either, so mm. that's also the, the issue as well, particularly with Niasse, mm. who I, I think did look a little bit a little bit more confident than we had seen him in a while um, on Thursday night. Did get forward, had a couple of chances, probably had a chance to score if he had, uh, maybe, maybe should have passed that sooner instead mm. of shot it, because he did have a guy over to left, I think, well, as well as Thompson, actually, on that, that chance he had. But really, I, I thought the team played very well. And it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Uh, one guy, one guy who didn't have a lot of work to do was Matt Reese, mm. and we heard from him after the game and his thoughts on what he saw out there, um, and in particular the, the defense being or, being playing well organized despite missing Bedia and you know having to throw Tierney out there for the first time because I think it was pretty much super League. It Was the last time he was yeah. really been starting at left back.
5: Yeah, we had a you know we had a game plan tonight and we followed it very very well and. Um, you know, it was important for us to to play solid defensively. Um, you can't really give up free uh, free chances in the playoffs, and and we did a very good job of limiting their uh, their scoring chances. Seemed
6: like you guys played uh, the best really you had
2: in the past month or so, despite missing you know,
5: four key players. Yeah, well, it's the playoffs. I hope guys step up. So, um, you know, we gotta we we gotta play our best. Otherwise, it's going to be a, an early exit. So. Um, like i said you know we stevie brought us in we got a game plan going and um you know we followed it and we we really did a good job out there
3: Now yeah, you weren't really tested tonight are you expecting more from the fire come on uh, next thursday
5: yeah absolutely um you know i think they definitely came in here uh trying to get a result which uh you know a zero zero tie for them is is good and they, i think they feel confident going back home um uh, with the home crowd behind them but um you know, I think we we definitely stepped up to the challenge tonight. We had a lot of young guys out there that that proved their worth and, and showed, uh, you know, what they're made of.
7: What about you? It was a 0 tie at home, a little better
5: result since you had so many guys out that you can look forward to getting them back for the next game. Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously we would like to have tried to capitalize a little bit on offensively and, and get some goals. But, uh, you know, the way we've been playing lately, I think we'll take that 0 and, uh and build off that. you know, It was a great team effort, and the, you know the guys in front of me played amazing. And again, that was Matt Reese, the Revolution goalkeeper on Thursday's performance.
2: Obviously, happy with how the defense played in that game, really made it easy, pretty easy for him. Um, going back to the, the offense, though, and, and their scoring, I did, did just take a quick look back there, and I believe um, the last time Kelly Dubé scored was June 12th. Of course, he did miss some time with injury, but mm. he was he was playing pretty well back then. I don't think he's regained that form, and that's going to be key going forward. Last time Mansali scored was September 20th, and, again, a pretty long gap for him as well. So that's, that's a worrying sign of those two fours. The two guys they have playing up top haven't scored in a, in a while. Particularly Dubay has gone that long without scoring. So that's going to need to change. If the refs are going to, you know, you know, maybe they can get past Chicago being lucky, but I don't think they can win the cup uh, getting, getting lucky off of set pieces or getting goals for the midfield. From a guy like Jeff Loronowitz who did mm-hmm. look dangerous um, last night and has looked dangerous all season when he goes forward to get a shot off. But, really, you need your fours to be, more dangerous than the head
3: absolutely, and you know what Sean? maybe it just means that uh, Dubay and mansly are due, so <laughs> yeah. maybe the law of averages will start catching up because they i mean it's not like they cannot score they can I know, and I understand it's their first season first full season league I know they signed Mansali late last year, but um but you know these guys are capable, and we saw flashes earlier this year to see to when in the same almost same same uh, circumstances in which you know Rawson and Twolman were out you know Mansali and, and Dubay were kind of like you know your go to guys so. Um, you know, I think you know. You know, uh, Dubay had his injury. Manzali had his injury. You know, they, I think they had their injuries around the same time. So it was, it's, it's. They're almost along the same timeline as far as getting back from those injuries. So um, it will be, uh, it will be a test to see if they can score again. If they can kind of, you know, get over the hump and, and finally score and put the ball in the back of the net. Because you know this team is not going to go anywhere unless they, unless they start scoring. So um, you know zero zero. I mean things are level, but they, they really need to, uh, you know, get that finishing pass and get and put the ball in the back of the net.
2: and yeah, I think they also certainly certainly having Ralston out does not help, and I think they benefited a lot from the three-five-two formation with Rawson out there and his ability to you know, play defense, splitting passes in defeat, and give them an opportunity to get behind defenses with some nice through balls. They don't really see that as much now in, th- in this four-four-two formation, and there's not really anyone that can do that. Charlie Joseph can do it on occasion, but he, he really stays back too much um, o- over the whole of the game for that to be very effective. So it's, it's going to be interesting. And how they can get them more involved in the game, and how they can get them more chances, because they didn't really have a lot of chances. Uh, again, as I said, the, most of the chances came off of set pieces. Mm-hmm. I think Dubé had one chance where he had his back to goal turned around and you know got off a nice volley that went
3: just a little bit high. But yeah. overall, I can't remember very many chances for either of them throughout that match. I think I think that was the only chance that I definitely remembered was the one that the, uh, the Dubé volley that sailed just over the bar, and it was a kind of a, uh, a, a flailing shot that just kind of went. That kind of made us go whoa, you know, that was closer than than we thought it was going to be, but. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, they, obviously this team would be much better served with, uh, with Rawson in there. Um, you're right, you know, Shalri just kind of stays back a little bit more, he's not really the attacking type of, you know, midfielder uh, the only time we really see him score is on, you know, corner kicks and set pieces, so um, you know, they, they are going to have to figure out a way to you know, just cut through, you know, and uh, cut through the uh, Chicago backs, because you know, like you had said, you know, there were at, at the beginning of that game, Niasse looked kind of tentative, uh, you know, his confidence still looked a little shaky, but as the game progressed he started getting that confidence, and although he's not the same kind of crosser as a guy like, you know, uh, Steve Ralston, when he played on the right. Um, not not that there many that there are many that there are many, uh, there are many people who can, but um, you know, he, he is seemingly regaining his confidence and I think, you know, come come Thursday that he'll be uh, the the hope is that he will be, you know, ready to just start attacking like he did earlier this season play with the kind of confidence that he had back in April and May.
2: Yeah, and we gotta hope that these guys stay healthy too because there's no Absolutely the, looking at that bench I remember last night when I saw, I think it was Dube <laughs> who went down and hurt. I think he actually lost it or chipped a couple of his teeth on that play, mm. at least from what I heard. And, uh, you know, if, if anything is more serious, or at least, uh, not that that's not a bad injury mm. or not a, an issue there, it, but if anything more serious was to happen to one of these guys, they don't have anyone who can step in at this point to play forward, at least not that I'm aware of. Yeah. So that, that, they got to stay healthy. And we saw, you know, both of them take a couple of hits, and we saw Ru Joseph take a hit, and I believe he's now listed as questionable going into Thursday's game, mm. which isn't a good sign for the Rebs as well. Because he's played a good game, and he's... Crucial to this team's success, especially without guys like Rawson and Twelman, because he's so good at holding up the ball, and something that not a lot of the other Revs players are. Certainly, Rawson is a guy that can do that. Castro is a guy that can do that. But uh, other, other than Joseph, there there's not a lot of options um, that can that can really hold up the ball, and that's important in this four four two formation for them to succeed and be able to get bring guys forward and still play you know, solid defense throughout the match. So it's going to be. It's going to be key that these guys stay healthy as well. We talked about the guys that are injured, but the guys that are on the field, they can't afford to absolutely. get any more injuries.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's 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 a thing that's that, that's crucial at this point because if if you lose Dubé and if you lose uh, Joseph, you know who else is there? I mean, it, it almost becomes a revolution reserve game. So, uh, you know, you just hope that the guys who are already on the field that are still healthy remain healthy. Uh, obviously, uh, Shari being on the field is crucial. Absolutely crucial. To them having any chance of, of winning the series. So, um, you know, if, if they're not, if they don't have him available come Thursday, or if he's not ready to go come Thursday, then, uh, the revolution will be in dire straits. That's for sure. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's just a matter of time if they don't have those guys before, you know, the, before Chicago will, will just overtake them.
2: Yeah. It certainly, certainly is a key that these guys mm. are, are out there. And we did hear from Joseph. Um, on Thursday night as well and his thoughts on the game. Didn't talk about the injury he picked up, apparently, but certainly we've got to hope that he's going to be playing on Thursday because he is so vital to this team's success and has been over the years. But we did hear from Joseph, and he was certainly happy to see how this team played and how guys stepped up and the younger players stepped up. and played. You know, A lot of guys are out there playing their first playoff match, so he was happy to see how they stepped up and for the big occasion.
5: Can you talk about oh, a lot of, uh, guys, first-time players who are out there in, the, in terms of
6: the playoffs? Can you talk about how things felt out there? Uh, in terms of the personnel, it was kind of strange having that lineup. But all the guys who was the first player game, like Dubé, mm-hmm. Nancy, Castro, all these guys was excellent for us tonight. They battled. They win balls in great position. They gave 110 percent, and that's all we asked of them.
5: How does it help to have this result? I mean, obviously, you wanted to get a win out of this, but, or get a goal out of this. But how does it help to have this positive um, performance heading into
6: next week? Oh, uh, we, some, there's some positive we can definitely take for and try to use it next week Thursday. But if we, want, we definitely wanted to get that three points tonight to get that winner tonight. We didn't get it. We're in a good position still. We know that place is going to be loud, ready to play. We're just going to have to come out ready to play next week Thursday. Seems like you guys really came together, and despite the the absences you played better than you've been playing when, oh, recently. Uh, this team sticks together no matter what. Fortunately, we haven't gotten uh, calls gone our way in the game and out of, of the field with guys getting suspended and guys getting hurt like Taylor and Austin. but this team definitely stuck together tonight, and that's what we made up, and that's what we're about, just fighting for each other and battling for each other, and we're going to have to do it again next week Thursday at their place. We're just going to have to be more and more and work for each other next week.
2: I think it gives confidence to some of the guys
6: stepping into the lineups so They'll go out there and show they can compete against Chicago? Uh, definitely. I think Sani was brilliant for us down the side and Mauricio. These guys come in confident, ready to play. They've been waiting for their chance, and they're to sure tonight what they're capable of. Next week, we're going to ask more of them, and they're going to come out ready to play again. It's a playoff. That's the playoff goals. You get one goal here and there. And that makes a difference. So We're going to ask these kids to come out and do it again. Nasi and Mensali and Dubé himself. It also seemed like you guys got off to the, the, the quickest start, really, that you've gotten off to in a while at home, especially. What, what was the key to that? I think we just like came out with the first five, ten minutes and tried to put the ball behind them and turn them around and pick up second ball with me and Jeff in the midfield and just try to keep pushing it, pushing it down their throat and hopefully we'll get one tonight. It didn't come us, but we're going to have to try to get the early one next week, Thursday, at their place.
2: And again, that was Revolution captain. Charlie Joseph was the captain in Steve Rawson's absence who put in a good performance, as we said, on Thursday. And it's now questionable for the Revs' next game on Thursday. So it would be very, very important to be monitoring his progress and see where he's going to be on Thursday, because that would be a huge factor on what happens on Thursday. I do want to get quickly to some of these other clips so we can get uh, Frank Delappa on the phone for the Boston Globe and have plenty of time for him. But we do have a clip from Jay Heaps here, who, as we mentioned, slid into the center of the defense. And he, he was very impressed with Chris Tierney's performance at left-back and. Seemed certainly didn't seem to be worried at all about how he would perform in this big situation.
7: It wasn't like he played the last couple of games I and mean, he stepped in there without having you know much uh, much time to adapt. And, and uh, Christiani is he's, uh, he's a tough kid, and I mean I think everyone in here knew he was going to play well. I knew he was. It seemed like you guys put together
2: the, the best performance you had in really over over a month despite uh, all those key guys out?
7: Well, I mean, I think that, you know, we we still got a lot of key guys in, so I mean, we still played hard, and, you know, you, you know, we still still compete, and that's the most important thing, is they go out and compete, and, and uh, use, you know, use our strengths. I mean, I think, you know, Sonny has played a lot of games, and so you, you throw him out there, and he's, he, you know, he did great tonight, Kenny and, Kenny up top and Kelly up top, played really well together. And you know, obviously, you miss a Taylor Twalmer and Steve Ralston, um, with their class around the goal, but you know, in terms of competing, that's what we did tonight. you think you're gonna going to go into Chicago more confident now uh, after the, tonight's performance? Yeah, I mean, I think we will. I think we didn't know exactly what we were going to do tonight, um, you know, and, and um, except we were going to come out and, you know, play play with some heart. And, um, you know, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to Chicago with some confidence. You know, but having said that, you know, I think that they're going to have some confidence too because they came here and did what they wanted to do. And, and um, you know, I think that for us, we, we had to take baby steps tonight, and, and we did well.
2: Again, that was Revolution defender Jay Heaps, who has been played center back now with Badia out and Chris Tierney out left back. Obviously, as as you said, thought that Tierney would do a good job, and Tierney did do a good job in this game. I was actually a little bit surprised that Chicago didn't try to go down that right flank more and go after him, but it it didn't seem like they did focus on him. But when he did have a job to do, he did well.
3: Yeah, and you know it's funny because I think uh, in Dennis Hamlet's press conference he actually knew that Tierney was going to be down there, and you want and you and you wonder why they really didn't exploit the right flank because you know you have a guy who just has you know no little little MLS experience, obviously no postseason experience, and you would think that you know they'd send a guy down there once in a while, but they just like you had said they just really didn't test uh, with test Tierney. But to his credit, any anything you know he he played a pretty good game for for a guy who's uh, who saw his first playoff minutes uh, Thursday night, so uh, he what's stood the fire pretty well and, you know, if if he's back there on Thursday I think he'll be ready. Yeah, it would be very interesting and you're talking about Dennis
2: Hamlet's press conference and his take on it. We do have that as well. Interesting to hear the uh, opposition's viewpoint on, on the game. He was happy to go home with a 0-0 draw and didn't seem like he, he thought the team should you know, try to exploit the revs' absences more by you know trying to go out and get a win here, which did surprise me a little bit. That they didn't push forward more in this game, or at least try to take the initiative, mm. because the revs did miss, were certainly missing a lot of guys, and it seemed like a good opportunity for Chicago to get out to an early lead and you know maybe put the revs away before even going home. Obviously, it wasn't the case. The revs played very well, but it did surprise me. But that they did seem to take a pretty defensive posture throughout this game. But we do have Hamlet's Dennis Hamlet's comments and his thoughts on the, the game from. Chicago Fire's head coach viewpoint.
8: Happy to you going home the Uh Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, coming in here, we knew it was going to be a hard game, a uh, very competitive game. There uh, really wasn't much soccer played tonight, but uh, I think our guys competed. Uh, I think our back group did well as far as defending, and, uh, you know, we're, we're happy with uh, keeping it at zero, and then we go back home with uh, to take care of business.
1: Coach, do you think you could exploit Tanny's inexperience?
8: you know I, I think uh, you know he played some games this year for him so I, I felt that uh, you know that bad group for them did well tonight you know it was a typical playoff game where both teams competed uh, a lot of 50 50s uh, hard tackles uh, and that's what uh, you know we, we've played these guys enough so we knew it was going to be that type of game
5: considering all the players that New England has had out um, were you hoping to be able to take advantage of that a little bit more and, and
8: Oh, look, we knew that, uh, they were going to put a competitive team on the field. You know, uh, they, uh, they won Superliga League with some guys missing. So, um, they're still, uh, the defending Eastern Conference champions. So, uh, we knew that this was going to be a hard game. Uh, we didn't come in here thinking, uh, you know, they're missing all these guys that it was going to be an easy game because I think if we did that, we would have basically just set ourselves up for failure.
2: Probably didn't get as forward as much as
7: you'd like. Um, uh, it seemed like Justin kind of had a couple runs, but Chris
8: didn't really seem to get in. Yeah, I thought the second half, you know, we, uh, in a, a few counters, we uh, we did well. Uh, just our final pass wasn't as good. Uh, I think it was a little bit harder for Chris uh, to find the game. Uh, you know, but it, it, it was a hard night because it's such a tight feel, uh, not much space. And so now it's just about second balls and, and competing and, and who can make that uh, that quick play and you know we had a few you know we had a few the second half uh, you know Brian had a uh, we had a good play with with Justin who played in the Brian uh, but it was a little bit offside so you know on on playoff type games and those are the situations that you're going to get you know it's just about trying to make one play and trying to get it right
5: can you talk about having home field advantage and, and going back to Chicago now and then
8: okay uh, i think that's the reason we uh, we put a lot of emphasis on on uh, trying to finish second uh, because home field does uh, make a difference. And, and you know, now we, we are excited that we're going back home uh, to take care of business at home.
2: Talk about your defensive core tonight. Didn't have a whole lot to do, but kind of dealt with what threats they had pretty
4: calmly.
8: Look, okay. I, I actually think they had, uh, they had a lot to do. I mean, I, I think I uh, give the New England forwards credit. You know, they, they put a lot of balls up in the air. So our guys had to compete uh, for that first ball. I uh, had to deal with crosses, uh, set pieces, corner kicks. So uh, our back, back four did well tonight in terms of doing all the things we talked about prior to the game because we, we felt that uh, you know New England has a system what they're about. And, and tonight uh, different guys weren't there for them, but uh, the system still came to play. And uh, so you know, our, our, our guys uh, talked prior this week, you know, getting back to playing uh, the type of soccer defensively that we've done all season, which is uh, keep it at zero. And that gives us a chance, and tonight they did that.
2: And that was Chicago Fire head coach Dennis Hamlet, who obviously was happy to get the 0-0 draw and then go back home for the for the home leg here. It, interesting that the that he he spoke highly of the importance of that having that at home leg. The way both of those teams were playing at the end of the season didn't seem like either of them really cared too much about it. The way they ended that season, struggling both teams really, uh, but then Chicago did get that much-needed victory at the end of the year to to get that home field advantage, and the Revs couldn't 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 match that. Um, but it, it will be interesting to see how that plays out if they go into overtime and penalty kicks. I think that's going to be a huge advantage for Chicago to be at home, and it's going to be good, good good, good experience for the Revs to be playing on grass as opposed to turf, <laughs> though, at the same time, and I do think that, as we said, Chicago is not a great home team, haven't been a great home team all year, and the Revs have been a good team on the road. I think they've, they've played better on the road in a lot of games, so it should be very interesting how it plays out. Uh, we are going to take a quick break here now, and then we're going to come back with Frank DeLapa from the Boston Globe.
1: Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years.
3: National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups
0: and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta.
1: Now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap.
2: I'm Sean Donahue. Joined today in studio by Brian O'Connell from New England Soccer News, and now we're joined over the phone by Frank DeLappa from the Boston Globe. Frank, how are you doing tonight?
0: Good, hey, Sean. I'm going to move to a quiet place, but let's let's go ahead and get started. I'm out of town, but uh, in Houston, as you know, I'm on my new uh, have new travels here.
2: Yeah, well, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. I know no, you're busy, but right it was there. great to see you at the Revolution game on Thursday night. Yeah,
0: that was great to be there. I haven't missed a playoff game yet. It's 32 and County or whatever it is, I think. So, I've been to everyone.
2: So, what were your thoughts on the Revolution's performance? Obviously, they've been playing very poorly lately going into that game, missing a lot of guys, and then it seemed like they put together a good re- good, re- good, performance. Couldn't get the win out of there, though. Is that going to be enough yeah. for them to, to go into Chicago? Do you, do you think they can pull it out in Chicago? <laughs>
0: Good, good question. I, I think it's a bit of a long shot, but I think they really, really played well. And, uh, you know, I think I thought it was really encouraging. I mean, you got a lot of young guys out there that aren't used to that uh, in the playoffs, and they did really well, I thought. So I think it's a little bit of a long shot still, though.
2: And we were, discuss- we were discussing earlier that Gabriel Badia is going to be back from his red car suspension. Um, but the Revs played really well. Do you think it would be a bad idea for them to insert him back into the lineup after you know, what they did on Thursday?
0: Good question. You know, I haven't seen the team with, with Adia in the lineup that much, so I don't know. Uh, you know, it hasn't seemed to work out as well as they thought, so that's a good question. They might not put him in there, uh, you know, and just stay with what, what they had. Um, you know, the young guys were really good. I mean, they almost put, put that goal in at the end, and that would have been really, really a spectacular goal by Lynn Sally. So um, maybe you'll just leave it as it is.
2: Yeah, it seems like last time we talked to you, the Revs were still in good form and playing really well, and then... You know, things seem to fall apart. Um, Do you you think, though, that they will be able to bring things back together, or the chances of them coming back together? I mean, they they showed good signs on Thursday, but still, they don't have anyone out there who's scored a lot of goals for this team with Chrisman, Steve Rawson, and Taylor Twalman being their top three scorers this year. Do do you see this team creating chances?
0: Not really. I I just don't think they're they're set up to do that. Remember, I think this year, uh, even though they've done... Well, and you know, have a winning record and won the Superliga. They really haven't dominated opponents ever. You know, and and uh, they, they, I think their goals against is their goals uh, difference is actually minus this year in league. Uh, they just, you know, they they kind of just played well enough to win. I think this is a team in transition right now, You're seeing the end of a cycle, and maybe it's uh going to be renewed as we go here, and and that's what's happening. So. No, I don't see him scoring a lot of goals and I don't see him even really going very far in the playoffs at all. But it's part of the process and, uh, you know, you just can't expect it. You lose Ralston and 12 Those are big losses and Crystal was really playing well. So, uh, I think we just have to, you just have to accept that, uh, and they're overachieving and, you know, maybe they can continue to overachieve.
3: And Frank, I mean, that, that, I think that's a great point that you mentioned. and You know, this team has really overachieved. You know, given the fact that they've come this far and they've, uh, you know, they sat in first and second place for a while. Um, you know, if, if if they were to make an early exit, you know, after uh, after the second leg, would would you consider this this season a success despite all the injuries and despite all the uh, all the transition that they've had to go through?
0: Good question, there, uh, Ryan. I think uh, pretty pretty good. I think it's just a reasonable. I think I think I picked them. Uh, I didn't think they'd do as well as they did. I thought, but I thought they would uh, improve as the season went on. It's it's really been a tough process, and uh, winning the Superliga and and doing as well as they did, I think uh, I, I think they've overachieved. And whether it's a success or not, uh, I guess not. But but I think it's just realistically that's about what you could expect this year, especially with the injuries.
2: And I'm curious to take on kind of changing the subject a bit. Um, I know at the game, me and Brian were talking a lot about seeing uh, Blanco and his, his uh, going down easily, to, to say the least, and certainly it was, it was nice to see him get a yellow card for simulation for that. But uh, what are your feelings on, on on his theatrics throughout the game? Because it seems to me like it shows a lack of respect for the game. It seems cheating to me, well, You know the way he, he goes down there so easily and acts like he's been seriously injured when he's barely been touched.
0: <laughs> he's played a different game. Uh, you know, if you watch him, Uh, you probably should have an ISO camera on Blanco the whole game and just see what he does. There's, there's some amazing things that happen. So, uh, he's got a great imagination and, uh, you know, it translates into some great stuff and also some goofy stuff out there. But, uh, you know, he, he's had a long career and, uh, you know, he's done that stuff in Mexico too and, uh, he's done it here. So, uh, you're just not going to find too many guys like him. Let's put it that way. That's all I can say with Blanco, but you just won't find him.
3: So. I think that's the best assessment I've ever heard of of uh, quadback Blanco. is that he's uh, he's definitely uh, a man of his own that's for sure um, you know going you know at you know after uh, this this postseason you know no matter how far the revs get um, Frank what do you think are some issues that they have to address in the offseason
0: all uh, right that's a good question I think I think Taylor Cleman you know will probably be going somewhere uh, at some point uh, you know it should have happened probably a year ago didn't happen um, so uh, I think they they gotta decide what direction they're going, um, bringing in young guys, a couple African kids, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, they, you know, Steve Russell's not gonna play forever. I think they just have to decide where they're gonna go, uh, um, style-wise, and I think, uh, Steve Nichols made a statement by bringing in those guys that are, uh, real, you know, they they're, they have speed, they're youthful enthusiasm, they're passionate about the game, they're very hungry, and, uh, you know, I think he's going to go in that direction. And also they have to decide what they want to do with uh, foreign players uh, at a higher level in the sense that uh, are you going to get a designated player or somebody that's getting paid a lot of money that can make a difference. Uh, and that's a big question that they really haven't answered yet except for basically by not not signing anybody. I guess they've, they've said we're not going to do that. But I think they got to do that someday.
2: And We've been talking a lot about Sonny Yassi and how well he played at the start of the season. And now how he's not playing as well now. He showed a little bit, he showed some good signs on Thursday that maybe he was gaining some of his confidence back. But is that a question of, you know, he's lost confidence or is it a question of defenses have figured him out more? What are your thoughts on his drop in performance?
0: Yeah, it's just a combination of those two things. You know, he's, he's going through a process. He's going to end up playing, you know, for the revolution. He might play 150 games, you know, which would really be good. And, uh, you know, you got to look at that whole trajectory where, you know, now, he, he improves. You know, he's got to get to another level and figure out what they're doing to, to defend him. I'll tell you, he, he gave Gonzalez Sagaris, who might be the best left back in the league, gave him, he gave him fits in that game, and that, that's what he can do. Uh, but it's a long season, so you got to be able to do that for 30, 40 games. and um, He just really wasn't ready to do that for the whole season. And He probably will be, though, I think in a year or two.
2: And I know you got to get going into you're busy um, covering the Celtics, but uh, meanwhile, for the Globe, you, you're not doing the Reds anymore, doing the Southpunks. But what, are, what, uh, um, as far as SoccerNet.com, we've seen some of your stuff up there lately. Uh, should we expect that to continue through the rest of the playoffs, or, or how, how's that going to go?
0: Yeah, I'm going to continue to, to do, do a freelance for ESPN, and uh, I've got. Uh, I think I'll do something on the Revolution if they get knocked out here, uh, sort of an end of a cycle type thing. Or if they continue, I'd like to do something uh, on just how they've overachieved and, and the, the tactical, uh, you know. Uh, uh, manipulations of Steve Nickel have been just, just really really something to watch the last few years and if he can get him to continue here I, I would definitely write about that I've also got a story going in probably this week on uh, sort of a double covers both things where Kevin Garnett has actually built a soccer field in, in his, at his house in Minnesota so he plays a lot of soccer and he's not just a fan so that's part of his training regimen. and uh, So we've had some pretty good talks about soccer. He's very passionate about the game.
3: Well, maybe uh, the Revs can sign him as a DPA someday, huh?
0: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, There's a striker. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, thanks a lot for
2: joining us, Frank. It was great to see you on Thursday, and it was good to hear from you again. I hope, I hope you can get back on the Revs beat soon, and uh, keep up the great work.
0: That's the plan. I'll see you guys soon. Thanks, Frank. Okay, Sean.
2: Okay, Tim, that was it. Then that was Frank Lapa from the Boston Globe. We are going to go into our second break here, and then we'll be back to talk more about the uh, other playoff results that we've seen from throughout throughout the league, as, as well as the Revs' upcoming game with Chicago, and maybe a little bit more on uh, our thoughts on Blanco and his performance on Thursday. Uh, performance in, in two cents of the worst. There, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to take our second break here.
0: National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups, and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta.
1: Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380.
2: Welcome back to Revolution I'm Sean Donahue joined you at Brian O'Connell in the studio from New England Soccer News. Uh, we were talking about Blanca with Frank before the break and my thoughts on, on his performance on Thursday, I was disgusted by some of the, the things he did. You know, jumped up for for a header with, with Chris Albright behind him, and went down like he'd been <laughs> shot and you know, he got he got some good calls. He got some earned some great calls and free kicks for his team and you know, it gets, gets away with it, but it was great to see him get that yellow card. He probably could have earned a second yellow card for continuing to do the stuff that he was doing <laughs> after there. And it was also good to see. It seemed like heaps went down pretty easily on a challenge there, in the <laughs> the right side, right in front of Blanco, and it was very interesting to see Blanco's reaction to that and how furious he was that someone could possibly go down that easily. Jeez, he, he seemed like he seemed absolutely irate that Jay Heaps fell down when he was, you know, chasing him down from behind. It was an interesting double standard there by Blanco, but uh, you know, he's a great player. He's got a lot of talent, but it's disappointing to see that he, you know can't just stay up and play the game of soccer instead of trying to resorting to cheating. He's a good player and he can he can play the game, but it, it, it disappoints me that he has to resort to that kind of tactics to to try to get an advantage.
3: Yeah, and you know I didn't bring my binoculars, but I didn't see any sharpshooters anywhere in the stadium, so I didn't know what was going on um but you know it, it's really really you know it's it's unfortunate to see because you do have a guy like uh blanco who who is a high caliber player um he's proven in the mexican league he's proved i mean he proved it last year with with chicago um and then just to see him kind of like you know flop like he's you know like like he's a paper like he's a paper doll or something it's just you know i don't know what it is i mean maybe you know maybe there's just it's quarter blanco and then everybody else and that's all that matters to quarter blanco it's just him and the rest of the world and the, the MLS should revolve around him. So, um, you know, he's just, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, he understands that he's one of the premier guys and, you know, he's going to milk it for all he can on the field. I mean, you know, I, I think we were both surprised that it took him that long to get that yellow card. I mean, there were many instances, like, within the first 20 minutes where we both thought that he should have, that, that the yellow should have been shown to him. So, you know, maybe it's something along the lines of, you know, he's just exploiting, you know, the refereeing. And I know we've talked about the refereeing a little bit. And you know what, to a certain extent I can't fault him that much if he knows that's the game, if he knows that's if he knows how to play the system, you kinda have to give him credit for it. But I you know, as as a soccer fan, I I don't like to see it. I, I don't want to see games being dictated by people, you know, by players on the field who are you know, think, acting like they've been shot when you know they they you know somebody like breathes on them the wrong way. So you know, I would like to see the in the offseason. I would like to see the MLS officials kind of like address that issue specifically with Blanco. Call it whatever you want. Um, as far as what they need to do to to really just you know uh, address that issue and make sure that doesn't happen as often.
2: And it's interesting too because he's, he's a guy that clearly has a reputation. For yes, this. it's not it's not an unknown fact that he. Mm. He easily goes down, and he sim- you know simulates fouls. He's been caught for this before. He's been you know there's countless videos of him <laughs> that you can find doing these ridiculous, not even being touched, and being a foot away from a guy and going down. Like as you said, like he's been shot. Yeah. And you know, you think that that would that would play into the referee. You know, more so watching out for that, but it doesn't seem that way at all. It seems like here's a guy that's, you know, a designated player, making him over a million dollars a year, I believe, to play for the mm-hmm. Chicago Fire. And they're letting him get away with it. It seems like more because of, you know, his reputation as being a great player. Where I, I can't I see other players getting carded for yellow cards more frequently, getting carded for diving more frequently than him. I think we saw Connor Smith get carded for a dive early in the season. That really wasn't much of a dive at all. I think he actually was legitimately fouled in that situation. But here's Blanco, guy that's known for it. And he continues to do it there's no question that there, there isn't a, a, an example of him like stopping or any any time during the season where it seemed like he's let up and you know maybe we should give him <laughs> a break he's not doing it as much anymore. He does it all the time so you'd think referees would be keeping a close eye out for this. It was good to see the referee Alex Proust go over to those to his uh, assistant Definitely. referee and talk to him about it before giving the yellow card. But that needs to happen more often. They need to put a stop to it because he's allowed to do this and he's allowed to you know, affect the outcome of the game by doing that. Particularly him because he earns a dangerous free kicking out of the box. He's the guy that can take it and finish it, so plays right into him. I know someone said last night, or Thursday night, I forget who it was. Uh, you know, maybe he's getting older and he needs, needs more time down resting to, to, <laughs> to keep his energy up in the game. But really, it's, it's
3: embarrassing what he does. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, it's almost, it's almost, you know, exploiting. I know that in the NBA, they have like, you know, the Jordan rule, the LeBron rule where, you know, and see, it, the, the traveling, whenever one of those guys travels, they kind of look the other way. And, you know, the superstars can kind of get away with it. But, you know, it's interesting because I think almost to a certain extent, while I was watching that game, showing that, you know, he understands that, you know, in the postseason that, the a lot of the refs are like, you know, let him play, just let him play. So, you know, it's it's just interesting to see that he can, he's going to try and get away with whatever he can. And say, and maybe the thought is, you know, if I, if I do this and there are there hasn't to issue any cards, maybe I can just keep doing this and earning free kicks. So, um, you know, and, it's, and you're right, it's almost like a double whammy because he takes those free kicks. So he's only, you're right, he's playing into the he's into one of the best game. guys in the world, really. At Absolutely, taking free kicks too. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he he works he works the system to his favor and you know uh you know, from a player standpoint, if I were a player I would have to say, you know more credit to him, but as a fan or as somebody who you know loves soccer, I don't want to see. I really don't want to see. I don't want to see, especially in the postseason, where God forbid something happens to where you know somebody so, somebody breathes on him the wrong way, he gets a free kick, and that free kick goes in, you know, and puts the fire up one nothing. And just any kind of game, even if it wasn't the revolution, if it was any other game, you don't want to see a game being decided upon, you know, uh, Blanco, fa- uh, you know, you know, falling and you know acting like he's been, you know, shot. So you know, it's just it's something that they do have to uh, they do have to clamp down on.
2: And the way these defense. Go in the playoffs, especially you know something like that could be the deciding factor. It just takes one yeah. goal. We've seen between the Revs and Chicago on Thursday how you know how, how oh, yeah. good those defenses are. It just takes one thing like that to, to change it. And you know I think a lot of credit get, needs to go to the Revs too for not reacting to mm. that because playing <laughs> playing against him has to be one of the most frustrating things, especially when the referee is playing right into it and giving him those calls, which he was for until that yellow card. He got away with a lot, mm. and you know really he got away with a ton in that game, but. You know, it will be interesting to see how that plays out on Thursday. Hopefully, after seeing last Thursday's game in the playoffs, you know things might change with the referee. But you know, it would be surprising if they did because he does it all season. and Things yeah. don't seem to change very frequently. <laughs> so, uh, interesting to see how that plays out. Again, the Revolution game is on Thursday on ESPN. Two. Uh, that game coverage starts at 8:30. I think kickoff is at 8:45 or 9 o'clock. Um, so that should be good to watch. But changing the subject a bit, going to the other results from the playoffs. There's been a lot of interesting games. On Saturday, and how they played out. A lot of late goals. Absolutely. Every game had a goal in the (laughs) 85th minute or later. Um, I know I was watching uh, the Kansas City Columbus score, hoping to see that you know Kansas City could pull off a win here. It would be nice to see Kansas City victorious in the series, and then if the Reds are victorious, they get to play the game at St. Stadium, which would be very nice to be able to go to that game uh, and see that. Of course, a lot would need to happen for both of those teams to do that. But Kansas City took an early lead, well, a second half lead in the 53rd minute. Then Hercules Gomez, who we're all too familiar with lately, uh, <laughs> watching the revs. he was the guy that caused uh, Rawlsson's season to end with that challenge. I don't think that was vicious again. And uh, also, st- making it even worse, Cono Smith decided to go back for some retaliation and took that tackle, and which he got a three-game suspension. So it was really a double whammy there, in the revs on that, on that one. But at the same time, K- uh, Kansas City got off to a good start in the second half. Then in the 92nd minute, down a man... Gave up a goal in the second minute of stoppage time. That's got to hurt for Kansas City, and uh, disappointing uh, at, at, from the refs' perspective too that Kansas City couldn't pull out a victory there the way they were playing and getting off to that lead.
3: Yeah, it's you know you, you just got to wonder you know whether or not things are going to go your way, and you know if if there was going to be a point to where they, where Kansas City could have taken taken advantage of it, it would have been great for them to go into Columbus you know already up a goal. Um, and it's just going to be so deflating to them to have to go back to Columbus, you know, 1-1, and just you know having to probably claw more than they would have liked to, and more than they should have had to. Had they just gone, had they had that one goal advantage going back to Columbus. So um, obviously, big fan of upsets. I would like to see Kansas City do well, um, you know, just just because you know you, who doesn't like an underdog except for Columbus, you know, of course. <laughs> we've, we've seen
2: the Revs um, overtake Columbus as the as the far underdogs as well in the past. However, Kansas City here. They had a good opportunity at home. They're a much better team at home. They're nine two and four at home, Kansas City. Wow. That's a that's an impressive home record. On the road, they're two eight and five, which is not the least bit impressive. And they have an interesting stadium in, in the baseball stadium now. The field's narrow. That plays to their strengths. That gives them an advantage there. That they're used to playing there. And that was a great opportunity for them. They almost came away with the win. I can't see them pulling out of the series now. Going into Columbus, Columbus, the best home team in the East with 11-2 and 2 record. Columbus was, has been great all season. Much better team again at home than on the road, just like Kansas City. So it's going to take quite an effort from Kansas City to get something out of this. I don't think they will at this point.
3: Yeah, it's going to be very tough. It's going to be a very uphill battle, that's for sure, for Kansas City. Uh, when you're center back, it's a leading scorer, <laughs> and you're going back to Columbus. Uh, you know things don't look very good. So um, you know nothing against Jimmy Conrad by all, by any means. But um, but yeah, it's gonna be an uphill battle. Um, you know, if anything, it, it could be a very, very good game. Um, but like I, you know, it they are the underdog for what for that reason. It's the fact that Columbus has been so dominant this year, and, and Kansas City kind of like eat this way to the playoffs. This year during the last couple of weeks, so um, it'll be an interesting game to, to watch. But uh, but I, I don't expect much from uh, from Kansas City, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, and Kansas City is another team like the Revs has had a lot of injuries that have hurt them. The two guys like Josh Wolfe. Who they signed, I believe, midseason, mid-season
3: yeah. would have really
2: helped them and with his experience, especially. And now Gomez out with the suspension from that red card, that's not going to help them either. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. But I do think it would take a, an amazing upset, be a, an amazing upset for Kansas City to go into Columbus and win the way Columbus has been dominating teams at home all season. They've been an incredible home team. So that's going to be uh, a tough series for Kansas City. Then the other two results we saw were Real Salt Lake in their uh, playoff debut, the two uh, former expansion teams, Chivas USA and Salt Lake. Who just joined the league? I believe it was three years ago. Now yeah. So their third season. Uh, Salt Lake making the playoffs for the first time, scoring a 90th minute goal. Most sissian, there's a guy that Kansas City yeah. probably could so <laughs> wish they had on their books. No kidding. And he got a 90th minute goal to give them a victory over Chivas USA, which has got to be a, a big boost for Salt Lake uh, making their first playoffs. And now getting a win in the first game should be interesting to see how they do against Chivas uh, at the on the away leg. But that's a big. Important victory for Salt Lake.
3: Yeah, I, you know what? I, if there's one dark horse that I've been kind of pulling for throughout the playoffs, it's Real. I just I've been very impressed with them this year. Um, they've come together much quicker than I thought they were going to. I know that we talked about this last year how 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 long the timeline was going to be for them to, to get back to the play to get into the playoffs. And this year, I you, you got to commend them.
2: And they started the season so well, and then, yeah. then trailed off. I believe they were in first place. They at one point of the they season, were. and then of course they barely made it into the playoffs. They made the, <laughs> just barely made it, but. And they could turn things around. 10, 10, and 10 in the regular season. Yeah. They, they could turn things around and this might be a, a good, certainly is a good sign for them. It seems like they were dominant in that game. 21 shots to 3, 8 shots on goal. Yeah. Chivas USA only getting off 1. But again, Chivas USA is a very well organized team and that's going to be another difficult game for them in Los Angeles.
3: Yeah, it definitely will. Um, you know, their their backs will be against the wall, and and uh, I still hope for them to do well, and I hope for them to uh, you know to prevail over Shivas uh, again. Nothing against Shivas, but uh, you know, Rails kind of like you know my, my lucky dog right now. Hopefully, they go far. And the
2: final game was uh, the New York Red Bulls against the Houston Dynamo. Red Bulls again heavy underdogs, barely made it into the playoffs. Um, lost the last game of the season. Needed results from other teams to actually clinch a spot. They got off to a lead early in the second half and that seems like a trend here with a 48th minute goal and they gave up an 85th minute goal to houston um and, and this one to to draw that game one-to-one another team would be nice to see the red bulls somehow <laughs> upset the houston dynamo yeah. who won the mls cup the past few years but after a 1-1 draw they had their chance again another yeah. team with a chance to come away from home with it with a win couldn't do it so that's going to be another interesting game to watch with the return like that game is taking place actually on sunday and be nationally televised on Telefutura uh, at 3pm next Sunday so that should be a, a good game to watch Definitely. to see how those defending champions do but again we've got to take a, a mighty effort from the Rebels they haven't looked good really all season to overcome the Houston Dynamics. Yeah,
3: I, I, I don't think there's, there's even less of a shot for them to overtake Houston then then Kent uh, then, um, City overtake Columbus so that'll be, uh, it'll be a tough game for them that's for sure
2: yeah, again thanks for joining us today we will be back next week you can get the archives of the show at RevolutionRecap.com. again the Revolution game on Thursday coverage starts at 8.30 on ESPN2 make sure to watch that game uh, we'll be back next week and thanks Brian for joining us today in the studio
3: no problem thank you Sean I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the uh, Rowan College women's soccer team the Anchor Women pulled off the 2-0 victory over uh, Southern Maine uh, Brittany Caldwell and Christina tomorrow with the goals and Maddie Perry with the clean sheet so uh, I just to say hi to them you are listening to WNRI and AM-